0: Warning, some things in our podcast may not be suitable for everyone. We talk about cults and murders, and due to the nature of our podcast, may use harsh language at times. Viewers discretion is advised. And also, we can't pronounce anything. Hi
1: everyone, today we're talking about Aum Shinrikyo, the Japanese Doomsday Cult, who is really well known for their subway bombing. Shoko Asahara was born March 2nd, 1955, was burned to a Bukamen family in Kume, Manamoto ken prefecture in Japan. So you guys are probably wondering what a Bukamen is. A Bukamen means a hamlet. It's just a small town out in the r- rurals. Kind of more, not a suburb, because it doesn't have enough people that live there. But a very small village. Um, people usually refer to villages named like this because they're outcasts. It's people that have traditionally been at the bottom of Japanese society and people who lived in these communities offer self from really poor housing conditions, low economy, and low social status. They also have very poor literacy because of the, once again, low educational standards. Growing up in these conditions was not the only hardship Asahara had. Asahara was born with infile glaucoma. Due to his medical condition, he completely lost sight in his left eye, and would lose most of the use of his right eye in his adolescence. This hardship would actually be a blessing in disguise. Due to his blindness, he was sent to a government-run school for the blind, where he would receive government subsidies and free meals. While at school, Asahara was a tyrant to his classmates. While he did not have any traditional leadership roles while at school, he did have slightly better eyesight than those around him, and he would use that for leverage. He would charge his classmates to take them safely to and from restaurants in town. Well, that's kind of nice. I guess he helped them. He would charge them money to walk them around. Okay. Not so nice. Yeah. If he was doing it out of the kindness of his heart, like, oh, what a great guy. But he was charging these people. And I get maybe it's because I'm like, how could you treat someone with a disability like that? But he also had a disability. So it's hard to be like, you know, but either way, it's kind of a shitty thing to do.
0: Yeah, it's not that nice.
1: So by the time Asahar left school, he had saved over $30,000. Oh my god. Yeah, from exploiting his classmates. He really wanted to go to medical school and he wanted to be a doctor, but he failed his exams, you know, in no small part due to the fact that he was blind.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. I'm like, how c- it would probably be very difficult to be a doctor and be blind. Mm-hmm.
1: So instead, he became an acupuncturist and he studied traditional Chinese medicine. In 1978... One year after graduation, he would get married to Tomoko I.C. She was a college student in Japan where Asahara had moved after becoming an acupuncturist. So I'm not really going to go into their children but or her because she doesn't really have a large part in the cult. But in total, they would have 12 children together. Oh, wow. So Asahara needed to find a way to support his family. He started illegally selling unregulated drugs and operating a pharmacy with no license or training. In 1981 he was caught and found guilty they fined him 200,000 yen or about 260,000 yen today okay so like that sounds like a ton of money right
0: yeah I guess so
1: well I you know put it into Google to translate it because I was just wondering it's $2,300 oh my gosh <laughs> yeah I was like oh okay small fine
0: yeah, that's not that big of a deal.
1: Well, small fine for selling illegal drugs and, you know, unregulated drugs to people. He could have killed someone. Yeah, totally. So while he was having trouble with the court systems, he started getting into spirituality, particularly Chinese astrology and Taoism. Taoism is a traditional Chinese religion or philosophy. So the goal of Taoism is to live with the Tao. Tao is just, I guess, a way of life and just living with nature and being at one with those around you.
0: So like a hippie?
1: Kinda. It's similar to Confucianism, but isn't as rigid. Okay. He was also interested in yoga. In 1984, he opened up his own company called Am Shin Shin No Kai. This company was a yoga school that also sold health drinks, because he didn't learn from his previous pharmacy experiences.
0: Well, health drinks aren't illegal. They're not illegal, but
1: they can be seen as a form of medicine, and that's how he marketed it. Oh. <laughs> so through his yoga school, he started to leverage it to get people to think he was more of a spiritualist than he was. He even took trips to go see the Dalai Lama.
0: Did he actually go, or did he just tell people he went?
1: No, he did, and he took a picture of the Dalai Lama, and he hung it up in his shop. So that way he can tell potential clients that he was a respected religious leader. Okay. So according to him, while he was in the Himalayas, he had a vision where Shiva, his deity, asked him to be a prophet and to lead God's army. So according to him, while he was in the Himalayas, he had a vision where Shiva, his deity, asked him to be a prophet and to lead God's army. He came home with his new title and mission to start a new kingdom where people would have psychic powers.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So due to his previous connections and his newfound prophetness, his business became very successful. The Tokyo Metropolitan Government granted his company legal recognition as a religion in 1989 as a monastic order. Once he was legally able to call his company a religion, he began to expand his teaching to include Tibetan Buddhism. One large portion of Tibetan Buddhism is being compassionate to those around you, and this compassion can be animals, humans, and even plants. You know, some forms of Buddhism don't eat certain plants because they don't want to kill the plant by eating it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So, Asahar's religion did not include these principles. He also had some of his teaching based on Christianity. He encouraged the use of technology and scientific experimentation, which made him really popular with college students, many of whom he chose to have, you know, scientific backgrounds. At the group's peak, they had over 65,000 members across the globe. Weirdly enough, they had a really large following in Russia. Really? Yeah. So, as this started happening, he started to write books, and he started to appear at universities. He also would he would also appear on television to boost his own popularity. At some point, he put out an anime. like He was doing anything he could to get to a younger crowd.
0: He made an anime?
1: Yeah. Did you watch it? Is it any no, good? No, I couldn't find it. Oh, Nicole, you best believe if I found that anime, I would have been all over it.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: So while Asahara encouraged his followers to give up their material possessions... He also charged them for the pleasure of being able to be near him and hear his teachings.
0: That checks out. Sounds legit.
1: You know, he charged them for his road to enlightenment. One member even paid eight thousand American dollars to drink Asahara's blood.
0: Oh gross, gross, gross.
1: Members also paid extraordinary prices to drink his used bathwater or have a lock Ooh, of his hair.
0: Gross
1: You know mind you, all this is in their way to get enlightened but i have no idea what drinking blood or bath water has anything to do with it
0: yeah no that's just disgusting
1: well there was that one like gamer girl who was selling her bath water online
0: yeah but that's like a perv thing
1: well people apparently people got sick
0: oh i wonder why exactly
1: well asahara obviously wasn't worried about people getting sick from drinking his bath water so the kind of weird thing about this is these people are paying money for his blood and urine and bathwater, But they were all really, really well educated.
0: Then if they're so well educated, then why are they doing all this?
1: Um, It's kind of have to do with what was going on in Japanese culture at the time. They were just coming out of the industrial era. So people were starting to get really pushy with their children to go to school and be well educated and do well in school. So they weren't having a lot of life outside of that. So because of that, they saw this guy and he's giving them a different path than, you know, being beaten down by a job or by school. Okay. So the cult had a lot of really well-educated people with good families. According to the BBC, they were young people from... They were young people who were academically pressured backgrounds who had similarly pressured careers ahead of them. And the cult promised them a more meaningful life. I don't know why that... Like, that's a direct quote, but it is very disjuncted.
0: It's probably them trying to convert English to...
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. I did, I did read a lot of, like, Japanese um, stuff for this. Yeah. This promise is what drew them to Asahara. And he had many other tactics to get them to stay.
0: Okay, what are they? A cult member
1: spoke to the Japanese Times about his time in the organization. And how they successfully got very many bright and intelligent people to join. First, they would hear about Asahara maybe from their college or they'd pick up a book of his because he did write quite a few books. And then they'd maybe understand his ideas or like his ideas. He had a lot of ideas that would draw in the younger crowds. Like I said, he was very pro-technology, Uh-huh. which a lot of people in a lot of traditional religions didn't have that. So you'd start taking classes with him and the more classes you took, the more books you read and the more interested you become in the organization and the leader. Eventually, after they decided you were far enough on your path, eventually you would be invited to join a 10-day madness camp, where you would have to overcome many tests, both physical and mental. And Asahar was a master at brainwashing. He did this through many different methods, including sleep deprivation, forced solitary confinement, where he would play his own sermons to them, and starvation. One of the more interesting methods was through LSD. He would microdose his members, or sometimes overdose his members, and put them into solitary confinement and told to pray to a photo of Asahara himself.
0: So what were they instructed on praying to him for?
1: Um, I'm assuming enlightenment, just a better path through their journey, for him to save them, the standard I love my cult leader stuff. Okay. All this made them even more susceptible than they already were. According to the Japanese Times, the cultists eventually reached the state where even if they felt their actions were wrong, they would automatically shake off such misgivings, thinking, this is training to rid me of doubt. The order cannot be wrong because only Asahara sees the whole picture. See if that sounds like a really dangerous idea, you'd be very right. The Japanese Times put a number of missing or dead cultists around 40. Oh my god. One particular member of killed was Turo Nakamara. He died in 1994 after Nakamura's girlfriend tried to leave the cult, after finding out that part of her training would include sleeping with Asahara. Asahara agreed that she'd be able to leave, but only if Nakamura would undergo a ritual, one that many other members had gone through before. Asahara required Nakamura to bathe in 50 degrees Celsius water. While other members would force him to continue his bathing, even after the burns started to develop, Narkomar would die from the burns he received after this so-called ritual.
0: Oh my god.
1: Some members would come to Asahara of their own free will, and others would be kidnapped or forced into brainwashing. One man was kidnapped by the cult and his own daughters, and he was given a mysterious medication. He was given this medication and told to drink two and a half gallons of water a day, and then also to purge it. He also went through weekly bowel-cleaning procedures, all to purify and purge him of his sins.
0: Oh my, like, oh my god.
1: Don't worry, he eventually escaped. Thank God. By telling the group that he would love to join them and he would give them all the money they wanted, cuz as it turns out, that's what the cult wanted anyways. Just money. Yep. And I want to remind you, this was done by his in-part by his own daughters. His own flesh and blood put him through torture just for money.
0: That's horrible.
1: As the violence within the group escalated, so did the group's actions. Asahara began to have predictions of doomsday. And, of course, a path to survival. You can probably guess what that path was.
0: Mass suicide or something. Sure.
1: No, it was to follow Asahara and do anything he said.
0: Oh, that was my next guess.
1: Asahara would leave his group through the nuclear apocalypse. His teachings and the torture that was being done to them would save them. And their families. He also started adding more onto his beliefs. He was already interested in Christianity and began to build his doomsday predictions on the Book of Revelations. For those of you who aren't very religious, the Book of Revelations is the final book in the Christian Bible and it is very doomsday esque. Asahara started calling himself the Lamb of God and he referred to the beast from Revelations. He claimed the beast was the United States. And the U.S. would bring upon Japan a nuclear Armageddon that would end the world.
0: So, did all this happen before or after World War
1: II? Okay, yeah, this is way after World War II. World War II ended in 1945.
0: Okay, so after we dropped the nuclear bomb. So, do you think he was kind of going off of that and just kind of adding on to it?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, something that traumatic happening in your people's history, people remember that for generations. And I say this a lot with a lot of these cult leaders, I don't know if they believe what they're selling, but the way he did it was very intelligent. You know, The Japanese people are already kind of afraid of America, very afraid of nuclear weapons. So him inventing this doomsday that has both those things in it is really intelligent on his part.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: He also began to believe in grand conspiracies. He thought the Jews, the Freemasons, and the Dutch were out to get him.
0: I feel like that's an odd combination of people out to get him.
1: Yeah, I don't exactly know what he has against the Dutch in particular, or the Jews, or the Freemasons, but... Well, I guess Freemasons because that's kind of a shadow society, but what did the Jews and the Dutch ever do to you, bud? Yeah, what did they do? So he once again began to ramp up his recruitment activities. He even started publishing his own magazine, attempting to link his ideas with popular cartoons. This technique worked really well for him, also because he was, you know, already catering towards the younger crowd.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: His followers began to place advertisements claiming they had achieved the ability to read minds or levitate. They would publish these in science fiction magazines to lure those who were already interested in that subject. Also another thing that made him really popular is that he would have a photograph of what appeared to be him levitating.
0: And people just bought that?
1: Well, it was a different time. So we would see that now when we'd be like, oh, green screen, oh, Photoshop. They didn't really have that then. So someone seeing a photograph of some guy levitating three or four feet off the ground, that's something significant. Oh, okay. Also, her was quickly turning his cult into a group of heavily conspiratorial, intelligent people. He would seek out scientists and lawyers, and, his, and in his mind, he was collecting the best of the best for the upcoming doomsday. Wired said... The high-tech children of post-industrial Japan were fascinated by Om's dramatic claims and superpowers. <laughs> its warning of a apocalyptic future is ectrocentric spiritualism. These children grew up in a pressure cooker. Like I already said, because it was post-industrial Japan, they were just, they were really putting an importance on education. So in Japan, they spend over 240 days a year in school which is almost a third larger than in the U.S.
0: Oh, that's a lot of school.
1: And even after you get out of school, many will go to late-night cram schools. This generation was raised very technologi- technologically intelligent, but with very few social skills. al Sahar, maybe by accident, maybe on purpose, tapped into their need for something more. Something more than going to school, going to college, and getting a job, and working till they die. Something like enlightenment. That thing they were looking for, they found that Nasahar's organization. They are promised supernatural abilities, enlightenment, and a family that would understand them and accept them. You know, not to mention the added bonus of surviving the doomsday. One of the followers was Aikio Harashi. Before joining the organization, he was a senior medical officer. He graduated from Kyo University, a top school in Tokyo. His career was going very well, and he even was the head of cardiovascular medicine in a Tokyo hospital. But somewhere along the line, he strayed. He began to search for other types of medicine, less traditional types of medicine. His search brought him to Shinriku. In 1990, he left his job and his life and started working for Asahara. He quickly worked his way up the ranks to become one of Asahara's favorites. He was given the title of Minister of Health and became re- and became responsible for everything from constructing a balanced diet for the amshin to experimenting with human test subjects. Oh no. The cult wanted to be at the tip of scientific progress, and human lives weren't going to stop them. They had a particular interest in electrodes and shock therapy. the priests in their order would even wear electrode caps as part of their ceremonies. Oh my god. They believed that electrodes were the key to understanding and controlling brainwaves, It wasn't until Hadashi joined the project that it really lifted off. Raya reported that Hadashi found that seven shocks of 100 volts each delivered to the scalp were enough to blank the short-term memory of a subject. The cult began to wipe the memory of anyone they thought was suspicious. One of Asahara's drivers went under the procedure, and according to him, he never remembered driving for Asahara.
0: Oh my god.
1: One victim was Asahara's bodyguard, who was called into the room by Hadashi and asked to drink a mysterious liquid. The liquid caused him to pass out and when he woke up, it had been several days. He had painful marks on his head, four surgical incisions. Apparently putting the electrodes on the scalp no longer worked. He needed to put them under the skin, in the skull itself. At the height of Hadashi's experiments, he administered over 600 shocks to 130 cult members. Some forgot they were even in the cult or their own names. The public was starting to take notice of the organization. One person that lived next to the cult remembered standing outside one of the offices and smelling standing outside one of the offices and smelling something like rotten flesh. Just as Asahara was pulling up in his Mercedes Benz, he complained. He said, "What's the sense? You know, what could this possibly be? It's constant. So it smells like death." You know what Asahara said? What did he say? Soybean oil and Chanel Number Five. Yes, because that smells just like the scent of death. Well, I, I included that just to show just how off his rocker he was at this point. Asahara wanted power. He had several members of Aum Shinriku run for Japanese parliament. All the members that ran, lost.
0: I wonder why.
1: A large part because Asahara's cryptic predictions were getting more and more outlandish, as were the treatment of his people. Many say that maybe it was because he had deteriorating health, And even Asahara was saying that his body was beginning to fail him. Even in in a news conference, he said, my body is considerably damaged now. And he claimed to have Q fever. What is Q fever? Q fever is not something that will kill you. (laughs) It's something that is very easily treatable. But according to him, he was dying of it. So maybe it was because of his deteriorating health, or the loss of the election, or maybe because his dreams of power seemed so far away and very unrealistic. But Asahara had a prediction. Originally, the group's goal was to save as many people as possible. But the new dogma was different. Before, they were taught they had to save as many people as possible. But now, Amshin Rico Riko is responsible for causing Doomsday.
0: All right, guys, so I'm sure we're all wondering what's gonna happen at Doomsday? Well, we're out of time for today. But next Monday we'll be back with another episode of Colton Crime, finishing up Doomsday. Hey, Colton Crime fans! If you're wondering how to support the podcast, the easiest way for you to do that is subscribe to us on whatever listening platform you're using, and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast.
1: It really does help other
0: people find us. So thank you guys for subscribing and listening, and we'll see you next Monday.
1: Bye, everyone. See you soon. Production by Jamie. Production and editing by Nicole. Our intro music is Wrong by Dan Henning. Our background music is In Albany, New York by the 129ers.